thank you all for, Darlene said the women's dinner yesterday was wonderful. Thank you all for coming. Uh, they had a good visitation time too. Lori took a gang of people down to Home Depot and I didn't see them on the news get arrested, so I'm sure they did okay. They're all here. <laughs> Amen. John chapter 6. And verse 22 in the New Living Translation, if you would. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can leave that up there, but we're going to go to verse 22 after I'm okay. That's a good verse to start with. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. That's what we're doing in our Christian walk. We're following him. Because they saw his miracles and signs as he healed the sick. Now we can go down to 22 if you would. How many of you know we serve an active God and not a passive God? What we're doing here is putting our faith in action. So many different ministries flow out of this church or are associated with this church in one way or another. This is a church of action. Amen. We don't serve a passive God. You know what he's passive in? Judgment. He's passive in his judgment. When we all deserve, if he gave us what we deserve, we'd all be in big trouble, wouldn't we? And thank God that the only time he's passive, well, he went to the cross, but thank God that he's passive in his judgment. He was aggressive in his judgment of sin because he condemned sin on the cross. And he put sin to death. And by believing in him, we have eternal life. I'm so glad today that I serve an active God that keeps us on the front edge of what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. He's an active God. And you might say, well, I'm getting older. I don't feel real active. But there's many ways you can be active in. You can be active in going. You can be active in sending. Some people, God's blessed them tremendously financially. And they might not be active to go somewhere, but they're active to give so that other people might go. It's an active God that we serve. He's not a passive God. And I want to read in John now where it says, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat. Interesting, right before this, Jesus had walked on water. If you turn back a page, that's what he had done. Let's go back there and read that. This is so exciting. I wasn't going to preach out of this, but this is good stuff. Verse 16, I'm sorry, Olivia, I'm jumping you all over today, but that's okay. You can handle it. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. (laughs) I love our Lord. He shows up when he wants. And if he doesn't want to show up, he's busy doing something. He's active. And it said they were waiting for him, but his darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back. They got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles 
when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. Remember, they, only, they took the only boat? Well, I'm going to tell you today, with the Lord in our lives, He doesn't need a boat, and the only boat we need is His ark of safety that we can all crawl into today. He didn't need a boat to walk on water, and He can cause us to do amazing things. They saw Him walking on the water. How is He doing this? And look what it says. They had rode three, and suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I'm here. And in many instances in our life, we wonder where God went. What's he up to? Has he forgotten me? Does he know the pain that I'm in or the suffering that I'm in? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But he'll come the way he wants to come when he wants to come. But when they realized, he told them, don't be afraid. It says they were eager to let him in the boat. And I've spoken about this before here in the church. But how many of you are eager to let God in your boat today? Because you might not know exactly which way you're heading, but I'll tell you what, God has a plan for your life, and He'll get you to the other side of the lake, whether you think you've got the only boat or they left you behind. God never leaves anybody behind. They were eager to let Him in the boat. And immediately it says they arrived at their destination. Some of you have been in this church for years and years and years, and God has made you certain promises, and you haven't seen them come to fruit yet. One day, you're going to get up, and those prayers that you prayed for your kids, and those prayers that you prayed for your situation, it might look like you're out in the middle of a storm-tossed sea, and everything's raging around you. But one morning, if you don't give up, God's going to show up, and immediately your destination, what you thought was far off, is going to become real in your life. How many of you are looking for your destiny to take place this year in your life? You are children of destiny and children of promise. God has made great and precious, exceedingly precious promises toward you. And I'm telling you, one day you're going to wake up, and it's all going to be solved, because that's the way our God does things. And that's not even where I was going to preach. But he's a good God and he's active. He knows that we're out on the storms. Wow. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had had taken the only boat. Sometimes you might feel like you've missed the boat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Missed the boat? On YouTube, sometimes there's there's videos of people that were on a cruise and they told them to be back at three o'clock because the ship's pulling out at four. Anybody ever seen any of them? Every time there's always somebody that doesn't think that three o'clock means three o'clock. And you see them way off in the distance because the people are on the ship and they're waiting to get going. And you see them come running down up here. Wait, 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 wait. But how many of you know that when that rope is pulled and on the ship, they won't turn that thing back for nobody. And that's literally missing the boat. It's funny when you see them, stop, stop. I hate to say this, and, but I do this in all the love that's in me. One day, that's exactly what's going to happen. So we need to be in the boat, Right? We don't need to be missing the boat. 
Not only when you miss the boat, here's what's happened. If you're in Cozumel, Mexico, and you miss the boat, you have to get back on your own. So by missing the boat, sometimes you pay two or three times what you're even supposed to pay. Because you didn't recognize, and I don't recognize, the times or the seasons. And that one day the Lord is coming back, and when He does, we better be in the ark of safety. Because that's what He's prepared for us. And they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Well, he's with us all the time. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. What they were doing is they were congregating at the place of miracles. Guess what? They were hanging around where Jesus had performed the miracles of feeding. But sometimes in the churches, what we do is we fall in love with an event instead of the reason behind the event. Oh, I'm telling you. The thing I love about our non-passive Savior is that He didn't linger. He kept on moving forward. And they were sitting there, oh man, He did this here. Well, good, that's a good testimony. But you know what? Jesus had went to the other side of the lake and He'd ministered to the man that was a demon, was demon-possessed, and everybody wants to make something out of something that happens in the kingdom. But what it is is we need to see the reason why he did it. Why did the disciples leave without him? Because he wanted to show them that there was nothing that could hinder them who trusted in him from getting them to where they needed to go. And he was going to appear. Don't gather. Don't spend too much time in the place of the miracle. It's okay but realize that God has many more miracles in store for those that keep on following Him. He's the God of miracles. If He performed one, He can perform a million. When He spoke the creation, the universe into creation, He said, this is who I am. I'm the God of miracles. Let there be light. What? Wow. <clears throat> he don't need a boat. And he wants us to stay active as he is active and not passive in our faith. Amen. It says several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, They got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake. And they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? It's a question we all ask in our lives sometimes. When's the Lord going to show up? How come you didn't do it the conventional way? How many of you know that even in Jesus' miracles, he a lot of times did things differently? They couldn't put him in a pigeonhole. He would anoint eyes and ears, and he would do things different ways all the time. They always were trying. The Pharisees always tried to put him in a box. You can't do this on the Sabbath. Listen, that's all religion. It doesn't get you anywhere. The man that was deaf or the man that had the withered hand, he needed to be healed right then. And that's what Jesus came from. He didn't come and look at a calendar and say, this is what you need to do. You can't do this before this day or that day. 
He's the Lord of time. He's the Lord of space. He's the Lord of the universe. And he does things exactly like he wants to do. And here, I have to believe that he walked on water. And here's why I have to do it. If I don't believe that this word says that he walked on water, then I can't believe either that he's coming back for his church and his children. Because if the Bible's not true, then the Bible's not true. But I believe today that he has a plan for you and me, and he's going to show up when, sometimes when we don't know how he did it, but we know he's going to do it. So, when did you get here? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me. Listen. Isn't it funny they ask a simple question and he gives an answer like this? How many times did the Lord give an answer that people didn't expect? Even when they were trying to do the right thing, the rich young ruler. Well, what must I do? I've done only and Jesus put his finger on the one thing. He said, so Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Now, we have to be very careful in churches and in our our current society that we don't become a works-based people. We become, we do good works because of the cross. That's the only reason we are involved. We can never lead with good works and, and expect that to be the end all and the be all. Because one day, all of us might run out of food. And what do we have to offer then? What Jesus was telling him right here. He said, I, I fed you. That's why you want to be with me is because I fed you. But he says, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Now, we're in a place today in the world where the book of Acts is going to come back. I'm telling you, it's coming back as sure as I'm standing here today. Some of you operate in the book of Acts right now. Some of you are waiting on it. But the book of Acts is going to take place. And it's going to take big faith when that starts happening. We're going to have to depend on the Lord to show up when we don't expect Him. We're going to have to depend on so many other things. He said, but... Don't depend on me because I fed you, but depend on me because you understand the miraculous works that I can do among you. What's the first miraculous work? Forgiveness of our sins. Think about it. Think about the weight of your sin. He took care of that. Think about your salvation today. Not that he fed us, but why he fed us. Why he does what he does with us. And he says, I want you to believe because of the signs. I want you to understand the signs and not the food. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food which is okay. How many of you like to eat? It's okay. To, I love eating. Matter of fact, probably a lot of you are going to eat some good food today. Nothing wrong with that. But I heard a man say once, he said, uh, he eats to live. He doesn't live to eat, which is probably a pretty good rule to live by. But look what it says here. He says, spend your energy 
seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Spend your energy seeking eternal life. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Not because of the miraculous signs. God's God, and he knew that his son could perform miracles. We live in miracles today. My salvation is a miracle. The way speaking in tongues and things that God causes to happen in your life. Whoever thought 15 years ago for some of you, you'd be here today praising the Lord, singing the songs of Zion, worshiping the Lord. Who would have thought it? It's a miracle that we're even here. I said it's a miracle we're even here. I'm a miracle. But I got to understand why I'm a miracle. Not because I have a certain office and I can make certain things happen. That's not it. I'm a miracle because God took a sin, burden, lost, druggy, alcoholic, and he said, he's worth an investment. Oh, he's worth an investment. Think about it. You're worth the investment that God has made in you. Paul was speaking to the Gentiles in the book of Acts, and he says, we first had to, I'm going to go, am I getting too excited? Sometimes when I get too excited, I, I, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I realized today, look at this, Acts chapter 13 and verse 44. You don't have to go there, Olivia, but I'll read it. It says, therefore, the following week, the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But listen to this, and this is all of us. He said, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer to the Gentiles, for the Lord gave us this command. I want you to know today that you're a miracle that God is pleased with you. And what keeps us from serving the Lord sometimes is we don't think we're worthy. He said to the Jews, he said, you've judged yourselves unworthy. Thank God for breaking that mindset in all of our lives where we didn't think we were worthy. The blood of Jesus makes us worthy today. What he did on the cross makes us worthy today. I understand the signs behind it because he said, I came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. How many of you were lost one day, but you're found now? I understand sometimes what's going on behind it. Imagine me with all the things that I had in my life, and I've been very transparent with you. Imagine me standing in a pulpit preaching the gospel. God didn't look at my problems. He looked at my potential. I had a T.D. Jakes moment there for a minute. But that's what he did. And you say, well, isn't that works-based? It has nothing to do with works. First, I had to understand what was behind the cross. 
No one ever, how many of you were rejected most of your life? You feel a sense of rejection that nobody ever received you. That's just what the Jews rejected Christ. But one day, they'll come to the realization that rejection time is over. And that's what happened in our life. If you're saved today, you came to the realization that rejection time is over and you need to receive the things of God. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. All you got to do is say, here I am, God. Here I am. Here I am. I'm preaching 12 different sermons today. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but since we put this pulpit back up here, I've been preaching. I guess for years I didn't really feel like I was in a place of authority or something. It was just kind of... And then God, I remember telling Jeremy, we're going to put the pulpit back up there. We're going to put the pulpit back up there. And there's been a new authority coming from the pulpit. Not because of me, but because God's got good ideas. The Word is above us. Good. See, when I talk about we, we reject what He's offered us because we feel that we're unworthy of it, maybe that has to do with our position sometime. So maybe... Uh, preachers, you that are in ministries, step into your rightful position, whatever God's called you to do. Have the confidence of God behind you. Because the devil can tell whether you've got confidence or not. I must go on. Don't be concerned. He says, spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, only Him. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. So if he's got the seal of approval, we want his seal of approval to be passed on to us and validated. How am I validated? Not by my works, not by the things that I do, but because of the blood of Jesus, I have validation. So then people get it wrong immediately. Look at the next verse, verse 28. They replied, we want to perform God's work Two, what should we do? I want to point out one word there, perform. They said, we want to perform God's work too. But you know what? It's not about performance. Performance leads to expectations. You know the only expectation that God, God saw our potential But what he had to do first was get rid of our sin. It took God incarnate in the flesh to look through the sin of my life and see what I would become. Think about it a minute. You're here today because God looked through the sin in your life and he saw the other side of the lake as far as you were concerned. I couldn't think of a a worse thing than being lost at sea. Anybody ever been lost at sea in here? That's a scary thing. Out in the middle of the ocean somewhere and in the middle of the night, 
Somehow or another, you go over the side. Wow. Lost at sea. The disciples were in torment and a raging storm, and they might have thought, oh, man, this ain't good. But Jesus came. Jesus came. He knew what he had for them. Even knowing that some of them were going to deny him later on, he still said they're worth the investment. But then we get in a church mindset where, the, where we want to perform. Performance is a great rival of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost doesn't take credit for things. The performance that we need to look at is what he performed for us. Amen. See, there's many people that can do what I do. I know I'm called. So are you to the various things. There's many people that can do what I do or do what you do, but there's only one that could do what he did. He doesn't require performance. That's why when we have people and we pray for them, missionaries come and they say, well, I want to do this. What I need to do? I said, don't do anything. Just show them your heart. Show people your heart. People will always, good Christian people that understand the work of the Lord will always respond to your heart, not to how much you know or how much you've done. Hallelujah. I must finish up. And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. This is the only work. This is the only work. Don't put the works before the faith. Put everything that he did before the works. Paul said, I got faith and I also have works. But works are motivated out of what we believe. What you believe will affect your behavior. I believe in miracles today. I believe in the word of God that says he walked on the water. I believe in the word of God that says he's coming back one day for a church without spot or wrinkle. And you say, well, I got wrinkles in my life. Well, listen, he saved you once. He overlooked them once. He can cleanse your sins from all time back and forth. Just because he died at Calvary didn't mean his miracle working, healing, forgiveness, power does not exist today. Sometimes we look at it as a thing in the past. We serve an active God. Why would it say in John that we have an advocate with the Father? Laurie's a lawyer. She tries cases. She appeals to the judge. It's an active thing. She doesn't go in the courtroom and just say, whatever. What do you got to say for your client? Whatever, I don't really care one way or another. Now, she really doesn't do that, but imagine if she was your advocate. There ain't no way you're going to get a fair trial. It says we have an advocate with the Father. We have a, an active God that is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He's faithful and just. He wasn't faithful and just. He is faithful and just. Calvary was a one-time act, but the benefits of Calvary go on to this very day. We're benefiting from the same Holy Spirit that the day of Pentecost they benefited. Don't be ashamed of being Holy Ghost people. Don't ever be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. 
So everybody wants to worry. He said, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. That's the starting point for every one of us. Some of us need to rekindle our faith and start believing like we did when we were first saved. Some of you have missionary zeal in your hearts, but you haven't believed enough. Let God relight that fire. Let him rekindle that fire. If it was your dream one day to travel the world and see the things of God, you know where your ticket is? Your ticket is in what you believe and what you say and what you can speak that agrees with the Word of God. And when we come into agreement, it's touching anything that He wants done. He'll give us all the provision that we need. I can't remember how many times we were in Mexico where it was like, man, what is going on here? This would happen and that would happen. And God, why is this and why is that? And we'd pray and we'd eat more crackers. One time we ran out of money, and one of the guys that we went to church with in Nancy's village, he had a construction business. We ran out of money because I would call Chris here, and he would say, Chris did my banking. And I'd call him, and I'd say, Chris, you got any money in the bank? Nope. You got any checks laying around there? Nope. I don't know what to tell you, Dad. I don't know what to tell you. So we took, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good word, isn't it? Lord, I'm out here in the middle of this ocean on this boat, and what am I going to do now? All we were eating was crackers and ham. We were hurting. So you know what God told me to do? I asked the guy in our church that I was supposed to be the big-time missionary. I said, you got a construction business. Can you use any help right now? Guess what? He gave us all a job. Now, that's backwards of the way that it's supposed to work. I thought those that served God were supposed to live in fancy houses and big things like that. I thought, something is not right here. But then I realized that we had to go through that as he had to go through what he did for us. Because not too long after that, people would come down on mission trips, and the next thing we know... Here comes a refrigerator that we didn't have and a washer because somebody didn't like Darlene scrubbing clothes by hand. So one day a truck pulls up in front of the house and here's a brand new refrigerator and a washer. I thought, what's going on here? And then Ray Parton come down one time and we had this wooden furniture. It was pretty, but it was ugly. You couldn't sit on it for more than two and a half minutes. Pastor Clady come down. He said, my God, Lonnie, this is the worst furniture I ever sat on in my life. (laughs) But it's pretty. And the next thing I know, Ray Parton come down. He didn't take a liking to my furniture either. (laughs) And he went and bought us a couch and a chair and different things like that. But God had to put us through those things to recognize sometimes that, you know, I could have stayed proud and not done this and done that, but God said, humble yourself and I'll raise you up in due time. We got more blessed by suffering than we did by doing right. That's all good, but what's he want us to do? Last night I got ready to go to bed. 
And every night before I go to bed, I, I hit my knees. And this ain't about me. This is about all of us. I'd like certain things to be different in my life, just like all of you. But what makes me do that every night? Not because I want God to bless me so I can do more. Not because we can have a bigger church. Not this, not that. That's not the motivation. I go to my knees at night, however long or however brief it might be, because the work that I need to do first and foremost is to believe on Him. And if what he did does not drive us to an understanding that he'll take care of the food and raiment, I'm blessed, you're blessed, we live in the greatest country that's ever existed, we're all blessed. But we need to understand the meaning behind the blessing. And that's what puts you on your knees at night. That's what keeps you in church. When you understand what he's done, I don't want this to be a church that's known for having a great pantry or having this great work. That's all part of it. But what we need to be known for is that people that are going to come in this building and worship the Lord no matter what the circumstances because they understand the promise behind the problem. That's the work. So if, if you're like me sometimes and you put the work in front of the understanding, then it's time just to hit your knees tonight or today in this church and say, Lord, I need to get my priorities back in order. I need to get my focus. I thank you for feeding me. I thank you for giving me a nice car. I thank you for giving me a beautiful church. But Lord, let me see the real meaning behind all of this, that one day the promises that you made are going to come true in my life. And I don't seek you for the, I want to understand the miraculous. I want to see the miraculous. But first, my heart has to be in a condition where I receive the miraculous in the right way with understanding instead of what God can do for me. Amen. 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 Nobody should feel bad about this. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) None of us want to miss the boat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. When they were singing that song earlier about Father, you're a good, good Father. The lyrics say, you're a good, good Father. That's who you are. And then it says, I'm loved by you. That's who I am. So good fathers can do a lot of good things. Good mothers can too. But the best thing that they can do for their kids and their grandkids and themselves is what that next verse said, and I'm loved by you, and that's who I am. I will be loved by the Lord because I belong to him. I'll confess my sins. I'll hit my knees at night, but I want him to know who I think he is. And who I think he is needs to agree with this word. Lord, give us. We are going to see the miraculous when we start understanding what's behind it. How many of you want to see the miraculous? All right. 
Well, turn around and look at somebody next to you because that's a miracle that they're even here. Think about that a minute. No, it's a miracle. Whether, you, whether it looks like a miracle or not, I'm telling you it's a miracle. You should have seen them. If you think they look bad now, you should have seen them before they got saved. <laughs> Every now and then, Darlene's got a history of our life in these pictures where I had an afro, and I don't know what I was trying to do there. In my wild days, I couldn't be goofy enough. I went and I got my hair permed. She's, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Huh? It's the truth. I'm going to have her bring some photos one day. Father's Day, I'm going to have a picture of me. And I had a big old bushy beard, but I wasn't weird enough. So what I did is I cut the middle out of my beard right here. And then I started wearing overalls. Any of you know what overalls are? There's pictures of me sitting on the porch with an afro and this and that. And I look back on it now and I think, no, I lost that one. I look back on that and it's like, what was I thinking? And I'm sure there's some pictures of you guys around somewhere. Like, what am I thinking or what was I thinking? And even through all of that, God could look at me and like Monty Python and say, you're just silly. You're just silly. I was just being silly. But God saw through all of that, as weird as I could get, he loved me more. That's what Calvary proves today. Amen. So your weird days are over. Amen? Amen? The only time you're allowed to be weird now is when you're operating out of the book of Acts. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's a good weird. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you today to understand what God did in your life and the miracle of who you are and that... No matter what you're going through, he's going to show up. He's not forgotten you, but just know he's a couple of steps ahead of us all the time. Hallelujah. So we need to stay just as active as he is. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand today. Amen. Did that make any sense at all? Hallelujah. And I'm not being negative about myself. I'm just saying... Once you get in the pulpit and it just starts happening, God knows. Lord, don't let anyone that ever stands here misunderstand what's going on, what you've done in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. We thank you that you said even in the womb, we were woven together, we were knit together. That's why we understand sometimes the, the degradation of the sin that people become involved in when they follow the wrong path. And they live in a hopeless place where they don't think God's going to show up. Hallelujah. But Lord, we know that you will. If you're in this place today... 
and you want God just to speak to you on a deeper level, you can just raise your hand right where you are. God, show me what I'm doing. Thank you for what I've got, but, and I'm loved by you, and that's the bottom line. That's who I am. Paul said, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Just think, even though the Savior had to give up some things, he could have called for it at any time, and it would have been there. I kind of feel like we're the same way. We can call on the name of the Lord and be there. Amen. So, Lord, here we are. We humble ourselves today. We ask that you be with everyone this week, that even when things come up, Lord, that we'll understand that you're still, you might be on the other shore, but you've got an eye out for us, Lord. Hallelujah. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you. We thank you.